Welcome to Life Changes Channel. I'm Dina Court. I am the host of Life Changes Channel podcast, as well as the publisher of Divorce Magazine Canada and Life Changes Magazine. I welcome you to check our website as well, because you will find tons of resources, a blog, all the podcasts and events. Every two weeks we meet at Divorce Resource Meetings online. They're free. And you can jump in there, meet some of our experts, ask questions. We'll help you find the resources you need for wherever you might be stuck in a divorce or your separation or some other major life change. There are many resource links as available, also available. And yeah, beyond that, like you can check our YouTube channel. All the podcast interviews are there as videos, which you might want to check out because some people share uh, their slideshow presentations or there's visuals or you might just want to be able to see the person and and meet them and, and get to know them. Make sure to check out these events every two weeks because it's an opportunity to ask your questions and meet people in person as well um, virtually but live they're there to talk to you. Now today's special guest that I am here to connect you with and so excited about truly honored Sabrina Victoria is a lady with a very interesting story that has led her to where she is now. She's created a phenomenal community, supporting and encouraging and helping women heal and thrive. I was honored to be on her podcast as well. I will share that link in the show notes and you can hear our conversation. And now she is on my show to share her story and tell us more about herself and the community she's created. This is so encouraging that you will also maybe resonate or relate to part of her story in some way and just don't feel alone. Don't give up. She has so much beautiful energy to bring that will really lift you. So instead of me just talking on and on about her, let's go meet her. Hello, I'm Sabrina. Welcome to Life Changes Channel. Woo, Sabrina, this is something I have been looking forward to because you are a force. You are a, such an incredible example of what is possible for, for women, for people in general. But, you know, you, you have quite an interesting story and I'm so excited to introduce you to the audience so that they can find the, the encouragement that they might need for wherever they are and just to see you know what you've done now i'm gonna i'm gonna start this by congratulating you for having just done a ted talk yes wow. tell us tell us more who are you sabrina <laughs> for proud of myself um sabrina victoria I run a community now called Her Nation, all about um, empowering women in the world of health, wealth, and leadership. Um, a little bit about me. Sure, please. Yes. So I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness. At the age of 20 years old, I got pregnant and I was not married. So because of that sin, I was cast out, abandoned by my entire community, everyone I had ever known, including my mother, my father, my brother, my sister. And I led this stereotypical single mom, just broke life of literally no money. Like 
the kind of broke where you're digging in the couch cushions for 25 cents to put gas in the car because you have no gas and no money in your bank account, like that type of broke. And I um, barely making it. I mean, eviction notices on my apartment door every other month, car getting repoed out of the parking lot, crying in the bathroom every single night, wanting to commit suicide, you know, dealing with postpartum. So all kinds of crazy thoughts about my baby happening, but not knowing what postpartum was. So just feeling like the worst mother on the planet. And about a year or so, year and a half, I met a man and that man had money. So I thought he was given to me by God because I had been praying for like financial support. Please help me. I'm drowning. And because I thought he was given to me by God, I ignored all of the red flags. And there was a lot of red flags. I think what's important for people to realize is that there is a lot of programming that happens in religious uh, communities and it doesn't have to be you know as I'm going to use the word cult cultish as as say Jehovah's Witness or some other types of um, organizations where literally you were you were cast out of that community and it, it's it's kind of a closed a closed community and you don't necessarily know what's out there for help and support otherwise and you know that's where I can relate because having been brought up in a very strict religious uh, community you could say it was different it was a, a protestant um, religious family but also some some social isolation as well and you know I think the era the generation it was as well I really felt locked into that marriage just and I was ignoring red flags I I also thought there had been signs that God had sent this person to me so what happened I'm what what were these red flags and and what's the rest of the story yeah, you know, a lot of people ask, you know, when did you see the red flags? Literally day one. Like on day one, I was like, this is not like a good person. Uh, but I was just so desperate. I was so like dark. I was a sinner. I was dark. I was worthless. Like if this person was paying attention to me and he was taking me to dinner and he was taking me to the movies and my life consisted of baby and beans and rice because I had no money. You know, I was eating beans and rice every single day, sometimes Oscar Mayer hot dogs, you know, when I was going to splurge. But every single day, I mean, it was the same. It was just dreadful, barely making it. And then I have this person who just pops into my life, who's taking me to places and, you know, little dates here and there. Anyways, so yeah, he, uh, within a year, he convinced me to leave my place. He presented these as gifts. You know, you can't afford your place anyways. Move in with me. And I was like, oh, really? Move in with him. Then he's like, your job sucks anyways. Come work for me. We'll build an empire together. And I'm like, and then, you know, a few months in, he's not paying me. Paying me nothing zero. I'm working 14 to 16 hours a day. We're building an empire together. He basically made it. So all my money, all my credit cards, everything was maxed out. He was waiting for me to, you know, I know this now. I didn't know this then I was like, Oh, he just forgot. Or he's busy or whatever. Finally I sit down. He's like, I'll pay you $250 a week. 
But he's like, you don't have to pay rent and you don't have to pay for utilities. So that should cover it. But that didn't cover it, right? Still car, car insurance, daycare, food, toiletries, all the same, right? So I'm still the same broke. It's the same broke. It's no different. But now I'm maxed out on all my credit cards because I waited to the least until to bother him, right? Because I'm yeah. codependent. You know, I don't want to be a burden on anybody. So I was, my um, credit score was down like 500 you know, because I just let it get horrible, was barely paying my credit card. So to get back on my feet, I'm still broke. So I went to him, still couldn't pay my bills. I'm like, I still, you know, my phone bill is about to get turned off. He's like, oh, don't worry about it. Close down your phone bill. Come on to my phone bill, right? Another gift. <gasps> really? Anyways, long story short, this kept happening. My car, phone, computer, everything. And I turn around. I have nothing and I own nothing. Nothing's in my name. He controls everything. So anytime I don't want to do anything, anytime I get a little, little like, just like any person have an opinion, mm -hmm. my phone is taken away. My car is taken away. My keys are hidden. It's like a real life prison basically turned into a real life prison. He would just stop paying me. So I'm making zero, but still having to work. And uh, mental, emotional, sexual, as he got more control, the abuse got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And so eight years in, I'm on the floor in the bathroom, in the dark, having a total mental breakdown one day, just bawling my eyes out. Like the kind where you're crying and screaming at the same time, like just so broken. And that wasn't the only time I had done that. I had done that plenty of times, but this time specifically, I will never forget. I'm on the floor, literally crawled up in the fetal position, crying and screaming. He's in the house, just like watching TV or something, just being, he doesn't give a crap, right? I took out my phone from my back pocket of my pants and the bright screen in my face and I can barely see. And I Google, why is my boyfriend bullying me? Because I didn't know any other vernacular other than the word bully. I didn't know about domestic violence. I didn't know I wasn't being hit. I didn't know about abuse. I didn't know. And just like, he's mean. He's being a bully. And this whole world of narcissism, codependency, empathy just hit me right in the face. And I was like, wow. what? And I went down this whole rabbit hole of like, holy shit, this is my life. Like exactly written down verbatim my life and so literally within two minutes of reading some stuff just like literally just reading the like subtitles I wasn't even like, like digging into things yet I sat up in the bathroom I dried my tears and did like a complete 180 in like two minutes I took my power back Within a couple of weeks, I opened up a secret bank account. I slowly started three online businesses. And over the course of a couple of years, I collected $50,000 secretly. And I just ran away one day. I took my son or clothes and my bicycle. I left my bougie house in Boca Raton. I left my bougie, brand new, fully loaded BMW, my iBack computer, my brand new iPhone. I left everything. I took my son, my clothes and my bicycle. That's it. And I started all over again with a mattress on the floor. And I've been building businesses ever since. And I have been helping women find their voice and their power ever since. That is phenomenal. Thank and, you. you know, that is 
a mission that I have, a passion I have is to bring those voices yeah. because people like you need to find that encouragement and get their power back. Know they aren't alone. Know that this is abuse. Know that they aren't just going crazy and that there's something worthless about them. Incredible. Just, yeah. you know, and to have that power switch, I've experienced that power switch and it's, it's undescribable really you know you can until you've experienced it yourself it's very hard to put into words but it's so powerful to propel you forward to give you a reason to even want to live and I think you know sadly so many women are trapped and don't have access to that so the more voices the more formats the more platforms that we can offer this you know you think oh people must know people must understand what abuse is they don't and there's such a stigma around talking about it that if there is a hint of it people feel uncomfortable and want to look the other way yeah <clears throat> yeah oh. and it is uncomfortable and it's uncomfortable for us also while it's happening it's not we don't want to be talking about it we don't no. want to be no. burdened we don't want to but like we're confused mm -hmm. and even when you're out of it i just wanted to left behind I did not want to think about it anymore I thought I had just you know bounced out of a 30 plus year relationship that I hadn't been scathed in well surprise surprise there's layers and layers and layers of conditioning and hurt and wounds that you know you keep discovering and what I came to the conclusion is I'm I felt compelled and obliged to speak about it so that is why I came out of it. That's why you came out of it because people spoke up and talked about it and, and shared. And that is one of the most powerful ways to help save, I guess, you know, help others to escape and, and get out of it and, and then have hope to lead a life that is better and isn't so painful and confusing. Yeah. And, you know, just, it destroys you. Now, I'm curious, when you say the first day you noticed red flags, and that wasn't just being taken on dates, because that's a normal relationship, uh, uh, I use the word normal, um, that's that's not a red flag. What would you say is would have been some red flags people can watch for that you noticed? The ones that were used very early on with me were two main ones. <laughs> Um, extreme, extreme jealousy, like within the first few dates of me just speaking to the male waiter, like ordering and maybe like smiling or saying an extra thank you, just like cordial, um, got me the silent treatment at dinner where like everything was fine everything was fine ordered came back to the conversation and he wouldn't talk and it's awkward and we're still getting to know each other it's like and he went did it for probably about five minutes and I was like is everything okay like what did I do and he's like would you rather be hanging out with the waiter And it's like, 
so you know what I mean like so just weird. and then and then the whole night is just like just has this weird vibe just like this weirdness um so that was one and that happened all the time I stopped talking to anyone who was a male anybody um that was that was not inside work right we worked together so obviously I worked in a male dominated industry so most of the people that worked for him were male but outside of the office I wouldn't even look at a guy um one and then two anytime I had alternative plans like hey I'm gonna go hang out with Sally all of a sudden that was the day that he had just something extraordinary planned like oh that's too bad I was gonna go take you to a comedy club I was gonna go see if there was tickets to some concert last minute I heard about like all of a sudden so then I'm choosing between my friend or doing this really fun thing which the really fun thing sounds really fun right so I end up dropping my plans with my friends, which then that's what creates the isolation. Then anytime, once I started to recognize, I was like, this is freaking weird because I'm smart, right? Like we're smart. So then I would recognize and I would start to be like, he's going to do something. And I would know, and I'd be like, no, I'm going to go ahead and hang out with Sally. And then it would be, you know, 17 phone calls all night of emergencies real emergencies like oh my gosh I can't find this form and if we don't get this entered by midnight tonight then like we're gonna lose thousands of dollars I need and I'd have to like leave the restaurant and find it and and like I don't even know what he's talking about like this is I took care of all the back end and I'd be so confused I'd be like I take care of everything like what he's like this is something that you don't even understand you don't get it because you're so dumb like you never went to college. So you don't understand how important this is. It's insane stuff. And I go back 17 phone calls. So then if I did go out horrible, and then if I didn't go out, like if I did go with Sally horrible, and then if I didn't go with Sally, then I'm losing my relationship with Sally. Right. And that's the isolation, right? They keep you from talking to people while you're with them. And then they keep you from talking to people in general. And that's how you end up just sitting at home alone. With them controlling you. Waiting on, yeah, waiting on them hand and foot. Because it's too much like drama to be interacting mm -hmm. with other people. Mm -hmm. You'd rather just, you don't have to have the energy. Like, do you want to fight every single day? No, it's too much drama. So you just sit tight. And then you wind up being their slave, you know, their little servant. Well, and that crazy making or whatever, you know, there's so many different angles that are used and, and there's words to describe them all, but it it's hard to describe if you haven't experienced it because yeah. I think you did a beautiful job of that. You are kept off balance. Yeah. You're kept confused. Yeah. And because we are rational, and we're being faced with very irrational situations, we're, our mind is so caught up and we spend so much energy trying to understand, trying to rationalize something that can't be rationalized. Can't We can't sort it out. What did I do? Or how could that be? 
and and you're sure that you're the one that's wrong and continually questioning your perceptions and your reality and it just keeps you off base and keeps you off balance and then they throw more and then all of a sudden there's this love bombing where they'll take you to some concert that they know you like to see or whatever it might be and you live for those tiny little positive reinforcements thinking oh yes you know we're we're probably all not only empath but eternal optimists and you know i'm mm -hmm. describing myself but i sounds like you are too yeah <laughs> so we keep thinking trying you know there's a reason i'm with this person they must be good they've done these things and we those little shreds of evidence we just hang on to and hope for and it keeps us keeps us there and keeps us trying and and there's a lot of there's there's shame involved to think that um you're stuck there but you're it's it would you're convinced it would be worse to leave because you know you you've made that choice nobody's going to believe you and like you said the way you looked from the outside set up with you know the house you were in the, the car you drove the life it looked like you were living people don't want to believe that it looks like it's successful and happy you're spoiled and well cared for yeah 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 the way that I always explain it is um you know I, I lived in a fancy house and I drove a fancy car and I had a great big smile on my face but it was a totally fake smile I mean it wasn't real you know there was just so much abuse happening but you don't talk about it you know and those little itty bitty flags in the beginning are also a lot of times misconstrued for love right like I love you so much I don't want you talking to anybody else I love you so much that I don't want you hanging out with anybody else I want you just hanging out with me because I just love you and I want to be around you all of the time I'm so sorry you know that's the way they kind of like twist it so then you're over here like, oh my gosh, I have this guy that wants to just hang out with me just all of the time. And you don't realize that it's putting a strain on every other person in your world. And it closes you off where you can't ask for help. You have no one to turn to. And then it starts to become scary. And you think, well, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be afraid to be with this person. This is my, my closest relationship. Yeah. But then it does become scary. Yeah. It's all very confusing, which is why they call it, you know, invisible abuse. It is, it's invisible. You know, it's not um, bruises and cuts. It's mental and emotional turmoil that is, you know, ongoing every single day in little tiny itty bitty things you know, that make you literally want to jump off a building sometimes. It's so confusing. Well, and I like what you said, where you compared to those cases where there is physical violence. And many of us stay trapped because we think that's the only form of abuse. Yeah. And it's yeah. not. Yeah. And it's hard to describe. Like, mm -hmm. I remember telling stories sometimes. And while I'm while I'm telling the story in my head, I'm like, this just sounds dumb and like catty, you know, because mm -hmm. I'm like, he said this and then I did this and he said that. And then, but they don't get like the micro expressions. They don't get the tone. They don't get the threat of like my livelihood of 
it's you it just sounds dramatic mm-hmm. so it sounds like I'm a drama queen and I'm just like you know exaggerating things so even just to retell the story after a bit I just didn't even want to talk about it because it just sounds so extra you know I love that you made that point because that that verbalizes something that I have felt so many times, especially as I try and gather and share these stories and, you know, you hear people try and describe it and it's so true unless you've lived it and experienced it. It does just sound like these, if you try and describe all those little pieces, they don't, they don't sound as bad or as insidious as they are, but you start stacking those, you start being in that environment where you're on eggshells you're questioning how did they mean that? Because is that going to be a landmine at some point? Is that going to trigger them? Um, <clears throat> you're constantly watching. <clears throat> Pardon me for for those for those those little innuendos and um, and it's hard to describe because a one-off doesn't really fully show the impact that it has on you when that happens. And, and I'll have triggers like um, the phrase, just so you know, Whew. I heard that one day, you know, years out and I was like, oh man. And that was a trigger for me because that was a way, that was a phrase that was used like, well, just so you know. And then they would say they're like the, the twist, the reality. And now totally. you're going, what? <laughs> I totally get that. Wow. Yes. I mean, that was, I'm, those words aren't triggering for me, but I totally get that. Just like a phrase that can, years later, right? Yeah. And I've been in zero contact. It didn't even come from that source, but to wow. hear it from someone else. And it just, it really, um, it hit me. And I realized, whoo, there's, there's some stuff that I'm still healing and dealing with. And we always will, as yeah. we, as we grow, this will impact us, but to, to speak about it helps it does help take the power away from the abuser and helps us become victors and um i i, I want to hear more about what you're doing now to empower people you you have quite a bit going on it's just so impressive yeah definitely i you know i've worked really hard to get to where i am right now i wanted to i didn't want i told myself when I was creating this plan that I didn't want all of the heartache to be for nothing. You know, it's kind of like what we were just talking about with like all the stories that seem insignificant, the one-offs, right? All the one-off stories, they're like my stories and they were super traumatic for me. Like I remember crying, I remember in the shower, just bawling, just wanting to die, wanting to drive off bridges when I'm going over them. Like, I remember. And even though I can't convey the story to necessarily get somebody to feel what that was, I owe it to myself And I owe it to the community that is still dealing with it to see if I can rise above. 
So when I was stacking cash to leave, I made like a promise to myself that when I get out or if I get out, I was always playing with those words. I would do my damnedest to rise to a level of victory, whatever that is. And I'm not done yet. I have just begun to see, right? Because I always say I was saved by white old men. I was not saved by women. I was saved by white old men. And the reason why is because when I would Google inspirational stories or motivational stories, the last few years I was with him in order to like gain like strength, right? Because I'm getting beat down every single day, mentally and emotionally. I had to show up as a trophy wife. I had to show up as an amazing mother to my son so that he wasn't traumatized for the rest of his life. I was running a full business, six offices over four different states that had show up and make money for us, so for our empire. Like I was doing so much. I needed motivation. So I would Google inspirational stories, motivational stories, and I put it in my ear so he didn't know. And Google would give me white old men, Tony Robbins, Joel Olstein, Les Brown, who's African-American, but motivation man, right? And these men would tell me, you're worthy. You can do anything. Everything is possible. You can do the impossible. And I believed them. And because I believed them, I did the things that they told me to do. And I am where I am because of that. And we need more women who can connect to the story to say those same things. Because even though I had nothing in common with those men, zero, these are wealthy men who have made it telling me this little trashy single mom Mexican that I can do it. There was a disconnect there of like, who am I to think as a sinner, dark, uneducated, single mom who has no money in her account, by the way, is going to ever get to a platform of anything like the audacity, right? But I just kept thinking like, what if though? But like, what if, what if I could, what if I could? And if I do, then I have to be the spokesperson to pull other women out. And so that's what I do. Like I tell my story, I tell every aspect of my story, anything that anybody wants to know or wants to hear so that it can connect, right? They can say, hey, listen, her story is so much like my story in this aspect. Therefore, because she did it, I can do it, right? Just, I had suicidal thoughts. Now I don't. I wanted to drink and get wasted every single night. I've been sober 17 years. I wanted to murder my baby. My son is 19 years old. We have the best relationship on the planet. Like it's possible. It's possible. But in order to like get to where I am, it's hard work. Every single day I'm working at it. Every single day I'm changing. I'm reframing. I'm pivoting the way that I'm showing up in my head. You know, limiting beliefs come to me too, just like anybody else. And I have to switch it. It's a cognitive decision to say, I'm going to show up negative or I'm going to show up positive. And every single day I decide, hey, listen, I decide positive. 
I decide to take another step up. I decide to step into my power every single day. It's a choice. And it was a choice back then when I had negative money in my account. And it's a, still a choice today when I'm doing very well financially, because you can pivot back and forth anytime, every day. And that's what I really want individuals to know is like, it's just a mindset change and it's continuous. It's every second, it's every minute, it's every hour. But as you continue to do it, it gets easier. Like I wake up like this now. I wake up like this because I have taught myself over and over and over and switch, switch, switch. And now I step into power and I let that be a visual for other women who are down here living out my very similar story to say, hey, listen, yes. And and if you work really hard, if you make a plan, if you take action, you can. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> Does everybody else just feel like we just had the most beautiful, empowering <laughs> like moment with Sabrina? Because that was incredible and it was so heartfelt. And I I just feel like I can do anything now. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I talk about mindset with people as well. I don't necessarily live it every day and it's a struggle. It is really a struggle. And um, I think a lot of it comes from our history where we, we have been beaten down and made to feel worthless and less than worthless in some cases. So that is where that hard work comes in is to continually recognize and acknowledge the worth that you have and what you have to give the world and to give yourself, to give your family, because you have such a beautiful spirit and soul inside that is just, it, if you can just acknowledge it and believe it. Um, and I love that, that now, you know, every day you wake up and feel this strength and this power and, and it is an ongoing process. It is something that is you consciously make that choice yeah, I love it. And our stories, our journey, I was just talking to a client about this a couple of days ago. The, the challenges in the journey that you have been on, if you could imagine yourself as like a sword, they're sharpening you every single challenge and every single, single, um, issue that you're dealing with big or small, they're sharpening your edge. And that's what we're all trying to do is we're trying to have an edge so that as we continue to step into new challenges, we can cut through those challenges so much faster because our edge is now sharp because of all of the stories that we've gone through. Uh, the issue that a lot of us happen is, is we go through these things and our swords are sharp. And then we decide, we decide that we're tired. Mm -hmm. we decide that we're tired and we're like oh we've had such a hard life and we sit in complacency because we're afraid to like go anywhere or do anything because like we might end up in a bad thing again so then what happens is our night then gets dull so then 
some time goes by and another challenge comes up because it's life. And it's impossible to cut through the challenge again because you didn't step into new, you didn't step up, you didn't create anything, you didn't pivot, you didn't like capitalize, I guess, on the story that you had. So the idea is the stories is what is keeping us sharp, is what's keeping us on, is what's keeping us like on point. That's the goodness of it. And until you start seeing it that way, like now when I see challenges for real, when I see challenges, I'm like, yes, bring it on. This is another story that I can now add. October, 2020, right? March, 2020 pandemic, October, 2020, I'm on a walk with my son and my fiance on a walk on the sidewalk wearing tennis shoes. I trip off the side. I fall and I break my leg. It just like my foot went from here and fell off. Just broke my leg out of nowhere. And I could have gone, like, I have no money. All of my clients asked for their money back March, 2020, because everything closed down. I have like no money, like no money coming in, literally zero money. I'm trying to pivot my whole company onto virtual everything. Like everybody has a story like this, right? Then I break my leg. And I could have sat here and I could have been like, oh my God. In my head, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be so cool. What a story. What a story to be able to tell somebody. March, 2020, my entire business closed down. I'm in the middle of pivoting. I'm going a thousand miles an hour. I have no idea what I'm doing. It's chaos. In the middle of the chaos, I break my leg. And here I am today. Right? So you can decide, you can decide. I could tell that same story and I could be like, yeah, if I wouldn't have broken my leg, I'd be so much further along. But because I broke my leg, I'm here, right? You could tell that story in any way that you want to. And I choose to say like, can you freaking believe this shit? And now look where I am. Anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. I can tell my same story with my abuse story. My abuser stole over a decade of my life. And I could say to myself, I would be so much further along if I would have left in two years in. I would have three kids. I would be living in a fancy house. I would be all these things, right? All the things that I think I could have had. But instead, it's like, thank goodness I went through all of that. Because now I'm in this platform that I never would have been in if it weren't for him. I would never have found empowering females to share their voices and have a podcast and be on a platform and have been on a TEDx stage sharing my story if it wasn't for this traumatic event. See, I've decided to turn my stories into victories and any person on the planet can do that with divorce, with health, with money, with career, with finances, with death, with disease. You can do that with anything. Incredible. I want to unpack this a little bit, Sabrina, because when you mentioned 
that you could take something and just kind of go, oh, I'm so tired, or I'm just going to, I just can't push through this challenge, whatever it might be. As we do that, that complacency also makes us more vulnerable to be taken advantage of again, or to, to fall into something that just isn't aligned or, or, you know, fall back into those, that slump of, well, maybe I'm not as smart enough to figure this out or not worthy enough for someone to recognize what I have to offer. So, you know, I didn't get the job I wanted, whatever it might, whatever this kind of wall is that we hit. And I think it makes us, you know, pushing forward in that mindset is a protection mechanism as much as as a motivational mechanism, right? It protects us as well from some of, you know, what has happened in our past stories. And we don't want to repeat those. That's why we've grown. That's why we've moved beyond them. And I actually, <clears throat> I can, I can somewhat relate to, you know, some stories I've had like that, where uh, shortly after the divorce, and I was in a very bad motorcycle accident and uh, have some, had some significant injuries. And, and then my position was eliminated within you know, the day after I got out of the hospital and you're just like, oh my God, but you can't give up. It would have been really easy to just, yeah. It's like, keep going. Keep it is going. very easy to give up. It yes. is. Yeah, it is. And people love it when you give up. People do. It gives them permission to do the same. Exactly. And then you all sit around six girls in the living room, drinking Coca-Cola and eating some popcorn, talking about your accident, how shitty someone's husband is, the one lost their job, the other one, the little kid is in rehab and you just all sit around and talk about your problems. And it's wonderful. And That's there's a there's a need for that to a degree, but not to get stuck there. Not to you get know, stuck. We, we do need to talk to people. That's how we find out that, oh my God, you're... That's abuse or whatever yes. it might be. However, yes. I know what you're saying. And it's always yes mm -hmm. and right. So yes, your 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 motor your motorcycle. Yep. Motorcycle accident. And I listen. And what are you doing now? Exactly. That's the part where we're forgetting. Like when somebody tells me a story, I listen. I'm so sorry. Now what? Mm -hmm. you have to bring that back into people like just because something happens doesn't mean that you you should stop dreaming or that that's so your like, new identity oh my god that's horrible mm -hmm. now what now what yeah. exactly and that's so empowering because uh, it's easy to be stuck in a, a victim mode or whatever that might be and that's your identity but to to have someone see that there's potential beyond that within you and they're curious to have you explore that they're there to give you that space to explore that together and yeah. and you're creating that for people in, in so many different ways it's really incredible yeah and I feel like most of your audience is probably highly empathetic so like we know how to show up for people we know to be cognizant of storytelling and be there for each other. But we also have to like hold each other accountable to continuing to reach. Yes. We don't want to enable each other. And that's like a power I think that we have as empaths 
is like, we know how to be there for each other. The, the, the empowering part is knowing that and being able to, to be there. But then also the second part of like, we can't allow ourselves to sit in that for, for like till death, right? There has to be a point where we're like, okay, girl, like, what are we doing? We're here for a reason. Where are we going? Yeah. You were given that for a reason. What, whatever you believe, that whether you believe it was given to you or not given to you, or it doesn't even, it was given to you. So you can decide to do with that or believe whatever you want to believe, but it was given to you. You got it. Like I broke my leg. I can decide that was given to me by the universe or by God, or it was meant to teach me something. However you want to do it, it happened. So like next step is what are you going to do with it? And now I have way more empathy for people who have broken. I've never broken anything also. So I didn't have empathy in that area. Not that I would ever be like, oh, you broke a leg. No biggie. Like I would never do that. But I didn't have any empathy towards like real empathy. Now I see people and I'm like, oh my God, girl, I've been there. Sucks. You know, like now I have that level and I can be there now for those people. And that feels good for me because I didn't have that. It's the same with anxiety. I was actually low-key kind of rude to people with anxiety at one point in my life. I was having anxiety, didn't know it was anxiety and having no empathy for people with anxiety. Mm. I didn't know what it was. I was having total mental breakdowns yeah. with my ex. Well, I'm like low-key hating on people who tell me they're going to the doctor for anxiety attacks. I'm just like, girl, get your fucking shit together. Yep. <laughs> and then years later, Meaning like four years ago, I was, I was talking to somebody in my pocket. I'm like, oh my God, I've had anxiety like my whole fucking life. I didn't even know it. When I had to pull over to the side of the road because I'm shaking and crying, I couldn't even freaking drive. That was an anxiety attack. I didn't even know that. You so now, know. now I like hear somebody has, I'm like there for it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Do you find Sabrina that uh, we can very easily tend to be critical of people because we don't want to see it in ourselves. We're afraid to see it in ourselves. Could be. Yeah, it could be. And then it, it annoys us about, and I've heard this about the talk, you know, you talk about your shadow self and how things that really, really irritate you in other people is something you don't like in yourself that you don't realize is, is something in you. And that isn't a general rule, but it can be something to explore. Like you said, the people being anxious, it's like, Jesus, like, what yeah. is your problem? That's exactly the way I would act. Not necessarily to them. No. Not pathetic, but like in my head, you know. Yeah. Like, I'm really? basically going like this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so tell us more about what you are doing now. You have a lot going on. Um, how can, you know, we'll share in the show notes, all the ways people can find you and, and what you're doing, but let's get them curious about it. Yeah. I run a community called her nation. It's uh, an all female group. Um, and we, uh, I run a teacher student concept that we're all teachers and we're all students at the same time. 
to show up as a teacher in the area of which you are an expert, and then also allow yourself to show up vulnerable in the areas that you're not. So a woman can then step in her power and teach you. I run podcasts, events, conferences, all based on women sharing their stories, sharing their thoughts, sharing their ideas. And then on the back end of that is um, a mastermind, a networking group, business leader, sales workshops uh, to help female entrepreneurs predominantly um, rise in their business. A lot of these female entrepreneurs who run online businesses right now, they're trying to get their stories heard. A lot of them are running businesses from their own story. And so to help them do that is a true passion of mine. Incredible. And we will, and I'll include that in, in the show notes so that people can access that and find out more because what a beautiful gift. Thank you, Sabrina, for being here. What would your one piece of parting advice be to anyone that's listening? What What's kind of your go-to? The motto that I've been carrying around with me since I was probably around 26 years old is the most simplistic thing you could possibly say. And it has brought me so much comfort and it is a pause and a deep breath. And then everything is going to be okay. Oh, wow. I love that. Yeah. And really sitting in that, recognizing that you've done hard things in the past, you're dealing with something hard right now and Everything's going to be okay. Thank you, Sabrina. I hope you found that conversation insightful, encouraging, and also a reminder to all of us that what we see isn't always as it appears. People are going through a lot of things in their lives, and we would want that compassion shared to us, and that is something that we can offer to others without judgment. Instead, be curious and, and reach out reach in, figure out a way that you can make someone's day a little better. And it might just start with a smile. I thank you very much for spending your time with me here today. And I encourage you to please subscribe to the podcast, follow us on social media, check out our events. We have lots of ways that we can help you or someone that you love. Share this with a friend. If there's someone that you know could benefit from this, And hey, keep smiling that beautiful smile because the world really does need your sunshine. It means a lot that you spend this time with us and meet our experts and professionals who can help you through whatever life changes you're facing. Please refer to our terms of service available on our website, lifechangesmag.com. The link is in the show notes. Our disclaimer, Divorce Magazine Canada, Life Changes Magazine, and channel and divorce resource groups are intended to educate and provide quality, credible resource information. The contents should not be used as factual until consultation with the appropriate professionals for any guidance. Divorce Magazine Canada, Life Changes Magazine, Life Changes Channel, as well as the divorce resource groups do not constitute endorsements for nor liability for any claims made in the presenting of this information.